What you're hearing here is the morning choir of the birds at the Sawtell Caravan Park. It's quite fascinating. I've heard it take place many times. As the birds cluster and their numbers increase, so does the sound and it amplifies. It actually becomes quite raucous. And then all of a sudden, as the peripheral noises kick in, like cars, like people, the whole thing drops away very suddenly. Hey there, this is not just a pretty van. It's actually a practical and fun adventure podcast for solo travellers, doing it in a van or something else and pursuing a passion. I'm Ange, I'm a solo traveller. I've been doing it for years. In fact, I'm almost down to two suitcases and now with my new van, the California Beach, which I'm loving, I'm pursuing my passion, which is ultra trail running. And that puts me on the best trails in the most beautiful places and I get to meet some amazing people along the way. I'll share some tips and tricks and I'll share the lessons learned. I'll certainly share the conversations I have. Some of them are a little crazy and I'll share the adventures as I go along. So sit down, grab a cuppa, grab a scotch, whatever floats your boat and I hope listening to this inspires you to get out and do your own solo travelling. Well, here we go. I promised you a conversation about gypsy caravans, and we're going to hear about not just one vehicle, but two different vehicles with adventure stamped all over them. They're actually owned by the same person who has love of life stamped all over her, and she covers off some hilarious adventures that she's had during her travels. But before we go there, I have a little piece that I want to share with you. It's a moment of arriving into a new place in the dark and just a little bit on the van, the mobility of the van and the long driving and how it's important to be comfortable as you're driving. Wow, that's quiet. I can just hear the beach or the surf of the sea, just just off in the distance. I'm not quite sure what type of beach it is. Uh, I've arrived at a caravan park in the dark, and this is one of the things I love, is I'm not sure where I am. It's the first time I've actually been here. This is Soldiers Point, which is near Nelson's Bay. That's north of Newcastle, about 50K, give or take, uh, north of Newcastle. And I've never been here before, so coming into a town, always has a mixture of excitement and trepidation. You don't quite know what you're coming into. And uh, I've had a couple of times where it looks a little bit dodgy as I'm driving in, but then of course the morning puts a new light on it and, and everything's okay. But this one actually looks very, very beautiful. I'm parked under some palm trees and the caravan park is very full. I think it's school holidays, I'm not sure. But the silence of the caravan park, and it's not too late in the evening. It's enough time for me to go and actually get some food at one of the locals. I did drive in, do a little bit of a look around in the van, 
and then come and park the van. A couple of things I just want to touch on. First of all, parking the van. All I need to do is pull the blinds at the front closed. They have their own anchor points at the dash and, and above the dash, just near, uh, above the rearview mirror. The curtains on the side, uh, the driver's side and the passenger side windows, they're very easy to clip up. They're magnetic and they just run along the rim. And then you pull down the side curtains on the two doors that open up at the back of the cabin and then I have a insulation mat which I sucker onto the, the back of the cabin window. So really that and popping the roof, it's about a 15 minute job, not even, and then I'm settled in. I pivot one of the chairs around, uh, remembering that I've got two captain's chairs, so I pivot one of them around and just make myself comfortable. In terms of making myself comfortable, my sister gave me some vintage French crystal glasses uh, just to make me feel at home when I'm traveling around and I'm sipping out of one of those just having a little settling in drink before I go out and grab some food so that was one thing I just wanted to mention is the van the mobility of the van parking the van and getting the van set up so I'm ready to go I could climb into bed quite easily the second thing is it was a big driving day today I had work um, which meant I went from Wodonga to Canberra and then Canberra up to uh, Soldiers Point. Um, that's a lot of driving. That's uh, a good four hours in the morning and then five, five and a half in the night. So it's a long driving day. But the position of the seat, um, the rise of the seat, the way that your legs are positioned when you're driving, I actually find this very, very comfortable. Now I'm tall and I do have long legs, um, so it may not be your cup of tea but for me uh, driving such long distances this is perfect and I don't feel any back pain or, or anything like that. I do stretch, I do do yoga, um, maybe that helps a lot but just to get that distance out it's not too stressful. I guess that's the point. So I'm going to go off and see if I can get some food and tomorrow morning I'll do a run that'll help me do a little bit of a reconnoit uh, to find out where I am. Do you come here often? <laughs> Every day. Every day. <laughs> hey, Kerry ann how are you? And I'm really well, thank you. Good. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, where does one start? Uh, at I'm the a beginning. At the beginning. <laughs> so I'm a Queenslander through and through. I was born in Rockhampton, yes. Rock Vegas, as some people call it in central Queensland and I've spent a lot of time in the southeast, mostly in Brisbane and I work in the arts and I have for 35 years so wow. I've been everything from a teacher of drama to a producer, a project manager, a facilitator, I worked on festivals and uh, visual arts organisations, you name it, in the arts I've probably done it. Swiss army knife of the arts, but you've traveled a lot. I have within Queensland. Yes. 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 And you've had some pretty amazing journeys from what I know. Yes, you could say that. 
<laughs> never a dull moment. Never a dull moment with you. Where did it start? Where did the travelling desire come from? I think when I first went to uni, I used to drive from Rockhampton to Brisbane, do uni and then drive that highway um, every holidays uh, and sometimes, you know, in between. And uh, when I first went to uni, my father had an uh, obsession with big American tanks and my first car that he bequeathed me <laughs> was a Laurentian Pontiac. Pontiac. Yeah. Now that's not a gypsy caravan in any stretch of the imagination. No. Oh my gosh, what was the petrol bill like? Oh, well that was why I didn't have it for very long. So mm -hmm. I think I lasted 18 months and I just, I couldn't, couldn't fill it up with petrol with on a, you know, student loan and uh, I couldn't park it. That was the other thing. <laughs> it was, you know, a very large car, but I've always said to people, I can drive anything. Absolutely. And the sleeping arrangement in the back, you could have stretched out there in bliss. That's right. Well, you know, they've got these uh, shows now called Pimp My Van. Well, there were many conversations about, like, we could put a pool in the boot of this car. <laughs> you know, it was that big. <laughs> I want one of those gypsy caravans. Oh my goodness. Okay, so Pontiac was your first step in travelling land. Then what? Well, I think uh, then having jobs that took me to different places. So uh, one of my, um, I was in a band at one stage and this was actually when I got a van was because I, uh, you know, saw the practicality of having a van to be able to move gear, costumes, um, people. Uh, and I was also at that stage, um, I started volunteering for a fabulous um, festival called the Woodford Folk Festival. And I think I did one year in a tent in the rain and I swore that that was it. I was never going to be in a tent at a festival ever again. So I purchased a van at the same time, so there was a dual thing so I could sleep in the back of the van, throw a mattress in the back, have mozzie nets on the sliding door and the, the back door, because we had, you know, in summer in Queensland, you have to open the van, you can't, uh, can't sleep with it closed because you just um, suffocate. So uh, that was my um, all-purpose mobile and and um i met someone at the time and they lived on the sunshine coast and i lived in brisbane and therefore the traveling up and down was great because uh i had always somewhere to stay exactly now did the van ever get bogged at the woodford folk festival no not at the woodford folk <laughs> festival but it did get bogged uh oh, i'm trying to think where it did get bogged well the person I'd met at the time, they had uh, a property that was um, on this beautiful place at West Wombai, uh, um, outside of Nambour, and but it was on a, a slope, like the whole property was on, a, on an incline. No, not the van, just... No, <laughs> no. 
they did have a you know a, a level pl- a, a pad for the the livable shed and the um, the driveway and uh, everything, but the the driveway was a 45 degree angled driveway um, for probably about 500 meters. So. Um, and this van was great for when it was full of stuff, but if it was not, I actually needed two people to stand on the back of the van or one large person to stand on the back of the van all the way up to the top of the driveway to get the traction to be able to get out of, out of the property. <laughs> so the van itself, was it something that you fitted out or did you buy it fitted out? There was no fit out there in was this no car. This was, this was the bare basics. Oh, my goodness. This was the one size fits all, do it yourself. So your fit out was in your mind. Yes. Yes. It's all imaginary. It was imaginary. I love it. But it had a, a mattress somewhere to sleep. Yes, you can just could throw the mattress in the back, but then that would come out when the, when it was time to... Uh, to do the band because we had, you know, had to move the the speakers of the PA or instruments and costumes. So the band I was in was uh, called the Mint Patties, like the lollies, and we were a 60s girl group band. I love it. And uh, so we had quite a few costumes. So there were three girls, did all the, you know, the um, chiffons and um, the Supremes and the Gladys Knight and the Pips and... Um, all of the Shirelles, all of that music. So um, we, we, we had um, matching costumes and ridiculously high beehives. So, um, so the van became a change room? On the odd occasion. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. So tell me about one of your most memorable trips travelling. I think my... Most memorable was actually going to uh, Kagari, which is Fraser Island, and uh, we actually hired a Toyota uh, Land Cruiser that was fitted out as a um, it was four wheel drive. But spending 14 nights uh, at three different base camps on that magnificent World Heritage listed island was probably my most memorable travel. Um, I still remember the driving around the island and the flora and fauna just changing, well, no, it changed every 10, 15 minutes. Mm. You're in a different type Mm. of um, ecosystem. It was just extraordinary and mm. up and down the beaches and yep. the champagne pools and then going right up to the top there in the little shop with all the the uh, wall-to-wall pictures of the four-wheel drives that had got um, bogged in the tides, you know, didn't listen to the <laughs> instructions and so this, this shop was known as the rescue shop. <laughs> they would go and rescue all these people who got themselves completely submerged well you know it is a sight to see people just don't believe the facts and in terms of um we're going to go back to your van in a moment because i want to talk about this non-fitted out very practical very versatile um van that you had because i just think that's gorgeous in terms of tips and tricks 
travelling essentials, ideas to, to think about. What, what are some things that spring to mind? Uh, I think being organised is a really good idea <laughs> to start with. And uh, to I often think I'm probably an overpacker because I think about the different types of situations and um, climate variances. Um, so for instance, gum boots, <laughs> um, you know, like from my perspective of having been in festivals where um, you, know, you can experience rain at that time of year and, uh, um, you know, having, having gum boots, but then having, you know, the good old, the other option of, you know, the thongs if you need to, you know. So um, I suppose other things are, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, a seasoned traveller like yourself. <laughs> so I, you know, I often think of, you know, well, if it's going to be sunny, what do you need? If it's going to be cold, what do you need? So, um, yeah, just just having, having something for every season. And a beehive. One must always take a beehive. Oh, beehive yourself. <laughs> So what made you buy the van in the first place? Just practicality, really having uh, something that I could um, drive around town, but then drive anywhere that I wanted to mm. and have a bed in it, really. That mm. was the main option, was you know a dry, safe place to sleep. And um, it was also affordable for me at that time and you know, where I was in my life and what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So the gypsy caravan, I just, that's just the way I see it. <laughs> <laughs> just had the mattress. Uh, it had a dashboard that was um, uh, of found objects and uh, it was quite an array. It was a little art piece all of its own. So, um, and people would give you things then once they saw, you know, there was rocks and crystals and um little uh, dancing hula girls and, you know, <laughs> quite an array. So the dashboard was uh, its own work of art as well. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> a shrine to remember. Yes, that's it. Very good. <laughs> Is there a place that you want to go to? So I've done quite a lot of travelling in Queensland. Uh, with my job and not in a van but I would like to probably revisit a lot of those uh, places. I, I think I'm a traveller who's motivated by events mm -hmm. so I like to see festivals and music events and and uh, and actually have a reason for going somewhere so I think if I was wanting to travel there's some amazing um, you know, festivals, like it'd be great to go and see the, um, just once to see the one out at Birdsville, the, mm. the um, Big Bash, because I think that would be an experience. Um, but then I would love to, you know, go to the Laura Dance Festival, the Aboriginal um, uh, dance festival in the, in the middle of the Cape of Queensland. And then I'd like to probably branch out from there and, and then get a bit more adventurous and see other parts of the the country and and amazing events like, like the Laura Festival, there's the Gama Festival in the Northern Territory, for instance, and uh, they're, they're special events that unless you have the um, ability to travel, 
you, you might miss them. Mm. Um, yeah, and I'm sure there's many others, but uh, they're the ones that come to mind. So with your travelling, it's by car? Is it by plane? Is it a combination thereof? Do you have a preference? Um, it, it's probably a combination, but I think if I had had a fitted out vehicle in, at this stage, I would like to drive because mm. I do love to see the countryside mm. and it is extraordinary, the country we live in and what, you know, the, all the different um, parts of the the country, you know, for instance, I'd like to go back out to Charleville and Winton and those kind of places and spend more time in the dark skies at night and see the mm. unbelievable skies, mm. um, as well as all the other things those places have to offer, like, you know, Winton with the vision splendid, and it really seriously is. They, unless you've been there, you, you can't conceptualise it. Mm. Um, the other place that I've been when I was very young that I would love to go back to is uh, Uluru. And I have a hilarious story. Tell me now. Well, I was uh, 15 and my, um, uh, it was at school and you get the options to go on these holiday um, and, and holidays that you can book and pay for. Um, and it was either the snow um, or Uluru. And I chose Uluru, and uh, except it wasn't just Uluru, it was two weeks around Australia in a bus with two Irish nuns and 25 young girls aged 13 to 15 and it was unbelievable my mother waved off the waved us off and she said when arrived back home i was sure you were going to change buses at gladstone because it was just it was a non-air conditioned bus it didn't have a trailer on the back for food all the food was under the bus where the luggage should go and all the luggage was in the bus with all of us and you know all the port racks were completely full and so it was also down the middle of the aisle so to get to your seat you had to walk on the armrests of the bus <laughs> and that was before we left and then we uh, went inland roads and um, our first stop was I think Tenterfield overnight and then we got to Canberra the second night and it was below zero and we were staying in a school school not even a school billeted out we were actually staying in the classroom in a school and we were all caught colds and what have you from there um, the bus broke down there so we stayed two nights in Canberra and then so we had to make up time after that and off we went and uh, um, there was just these crazy times that I remember with um, at lunch times we'd pull up at service uh, pull up in a town and we'd all race to service stations with our money and go and get burgers and you know that kind of food toasted sandwiches so by the time we ended up 
um, in the desert. Um, we would stop in the middle of nowhere so that obviously we had to eat the food that we hadn't been eating and then it would all come out in the middle of the desert and 10 million flies would descend on our, uh, our, our delights. But, you know, I remember things like, you know, driving through Adelaide and the, the nuns being, well, the city of churches, we're in the city of churches, and had to, we're pointing out all the churches and we, didn't, we couldn't have cared less. Uh, <laughs> so we raced there and then we got to um, Uluru and uh, oh, before that we'd stayed in Cooper PD and I remember staying underground in Cooper PD. It was a nightmare. It was like on this concrete, in this concrete bunker underground because Cooper PD is an opal mining town and so and most of the dwellings are built underground because it's so hot. And so, so we're in this bunker and by this stage everyone was sick. And so I just remember in the middle of the night hearing everyone coughing and sneezing and just, it was just horrendous. Um, we got to Uluru. My, my claim to fame is that uh, I was always the last one on the bus. And I said, I've just got to go and change into my sneakers. And they said, no, get on the bus. So I had my uh, Ugg boots on. And this is before... Um, you know, now we know better and we don't climb the rock. But back in those days, everybody climbed the rock, so we all had to climb the rock. And so I climbed Uluru in Ugg boots. <laughs> oh, but I still remember getting to the top of that immense rock and it was the feeling I still remember it. It was awe-inspiring. It just literally took your breath away, the vast nothingness um, for all the way and the only thing was the olgas in the distance but you could just see 360 of just expanse and it was unbelievable and then we took off from there I think we went to um, ten, maybe Tennant Creek and then Mount Isa and I distinctly remember Mount Isa going to have to go to church and and, and we all, and I know I fainted for a few minutes. And then we got back to Rocky, got off the bus to our parents. We all looked like complete horror. Like we just got off this bus as this dishevelled bunch of young people that they were, could hardly recognise. <laughs> so, um, yes, that was uh, the trip from hell. The trip from hell, definitely. <laughs> So I would like to redo it in a, in a much more civilised manner with um, a bit more control <laughs> over the destination and timing and where you're going to sleep. Where I'm going to sleep. With your travels, especially since you're travelling solo, what are some things that you would recommend people doing solo travelling or thinking of doing solo travelling should consider? Well, I think the beauties of solo traveling is you've only got yourself to rely on, but you still want to have a rich experience. So therefore taking a calculated risk and at the same time, you know, that blending in, don't look like a tourist. Um, and an, an example is I traveled across Canada when I was young and I hadn't planned to go to New York but I ran into somebody who gave me a number of 
friends in New York to stay with, so I took that calculated risk and went, I've got three days, I can do this. Got on a bus overnight and went to New York. Um, and this was before mobile phones and all of that. So I would memorize the map of where I wanted to go. And then I'd put the map away and then off I'd, I'd walk along the streets. And every now and then you'd get this experience where I'd go, was it left or was it right? And I was memorising the map. Well, so why were you memorising the map? Well, I didn't want to have the map out in my hand in the street because being a solo female traveller, I could then be someone that someone could come up to and say, oh, do you need a hand? And, you know, you might get taken advantage of. And uh, that's when you're young, you, you often have that uh, ingrained in you from your mother or somebody who's <laughs> waving you goodbye at the airport going, my darling's going overseas by herself. Um, Fresh pair of underpants, yes. don't wave the map. That's <laughs> right. So, but I had this wonderful experience where I turned left and it probably was the street that I was to go down, but it was like a movie set suddenly opened up and I was in Jewish Central in New York and it was like I was on the set of Yentl and it was amazing. And I then had to walk nonchalantly along while looking at every shop being selling diamonds and gold. Um, and I was, you know, this little Australian... Uh, walking through the streets of New York and uh, trying to blend in. <laughs> but, you know, you've got to take those risks um, and and, uh, and calculate a risk. The, the last day I was in New York, I'd asked the people I was staying with um, about getting to the airport. Uh, they said, look, book a car to the airport. It'll cost you X amount of dollars, but that'll be set fair and you won't get ripped off and you won't get 2, 2 p.m. in the afternoon to get back to catch the, the that uh, that ride. And then I went out to go around to the Statue of Liberty and Wall Street and all the, the icons in New York. And everywhere I went, there were roadblocks up and groups of about 20 police. And this was back when they all looked like out of police academy. <laughs> they had that particular uniform on. And so I... I was perplexed by this and it was taking me longer to get to all of these places. So eventually to got up the courage to go up to this big group of uh, policemen and say, excuse me, I'm from Australia. I just would like to ask um, what's going on today. And they said, oh, Nelson Mandela is coming to talk in Brooklyn. And I remember this moment and I said, what time? And they said, oh, 2 p.m. and he's going to drive through the streets first. And this had just got out of prison, um, so it was a big deal. And I remember as a 22-year-old sitting on a street, and this was no mobile phone time, I'd done this overnight trip, you know, the three-day trip on a whim, um, and I thought, I have no idea how to change my flight. I don't know where the travel agents are here, you know. So I made the decision to go back to the ride that I'd arranged. The only problem was there are three airports in New York and I was catching the one, I was catching the plane from the one 
that this driver had no idea where that airport was. So we are driving along freeways and he's stopping and hailing down cars to get the next set of directions. Here I am, you know, hiding my map in, you know, in the streets as I'm going around. And here is this driver having no idea where the airport was. So I remember this was a lesson in things that are in your control and things that are out of your control. And that one was completely out of control. Um, I held it together. I breathed. I was like, I can't do anything about this. There's no point in getting upset. Long story short, we got to the airport. I knew I'd missed the plane by this stage and I'd held it together as a young person. Got to the counter and completely melted. <laughs> it just was like a bucket of tears. And I remember the lady behind the counter going, oh, it's all right, honey. There's another one at 5 p.m. <laughs> That was my lesson in sometimes you just have to go with the flow and um, you, you you know, I, it was the day I almost saw Nelson Mandela. There you go. That was uh, certainly an interview with a lot of eventful moments in there. And as you can hear, Kiri-Anne is definitely a lover of life. Um, I hope, I do hope she gets to revisit her trip to Uluru and takes another calculated risk, maybe without the accompanying 25 students and the two Irish nuns. But you never know with Kiri-Anne, she might try to revisit the whole event. We will hear another uh, piece from Kerri-Anne because she is definitely a traveller for the love of arts and culture. As you can hear, she's a cultural tourist and uh, she has some wonderful descriptions of trips that she's done recently for work. So I thought we'd back that up to hear more about Kerri-Anne in the next episode. That's it from me. I hope you travel well, travel safe, and I will see you on the other side. <laughs>